Hello everyone and welcome to the Lisa Burke Show. I hope you've had a wonderful week. I hope it's been exciting. I know the weather here in Luxembourg is rather inclement at the moment. Uh, April showers certainly on the way and I've recently discovered that in French they talk about March showers, in fact. So uh, April showers, March showers. It's, it's really rather wet and windy out there at the moment. But uh, wrap up warm, stay inside. And here we have an hour of conversation, of course, with my dear friend and colleague, Sasha Keogh. We're going to talk about uh, the news this week. And I have a full house here of students from Ermesender. We're going to talk about education in a different light, a relatively new school, and uh, how they look at education for their secondary school students but starting with you Sasha how are you I'm very well and I'm a bit disappointed though because uh, last year April the 1st fell on a weekday and I managed to sneak in a story uh, in my morning news bulletin um, and no one picked up that it was an April Fool's joke and so this year I thought I would give it another shot but it's on a Saturday so we don't oh have the news my on a Saturday. Goodness. I want to know what this story was that nobody picked up on then. Oh, gosh, do you know, I can't actually remember. It must have been very good. You must have been very diligent. I just, think I just sounded very serious. <laughs> well, <laughs> or well, maybe no one listens. <laughs> no, I'm sure. But I mean, even the people in the studio didn't pick up on it by the sounds of it. No, so, they did. <laughs> oh, yes. they did. Okay, no, they did. okay, okay. Do you remember the spaghetti story on the BBC, the spaghetti trees? That, I do. That's the famous one. Um, yeah. So, on April the 1st, the BBC reported that spaghetti actually grew on trees and they did a whole film about it and people genuinely believed it, didn't they? It's extraordinary. And War of the Worlds as well. Oh, that was the other one, yeah, wasn't it? That really, yeah, really famous and beautiful voices there as well. Well, moving on to things closer yeah. at home, we've got um, a real mixed bag this week about uh, a reflection of the week's news. And I, I love this little element of our show, in fact, because it makes me think back over the week. And if we have that kind of weekly reflection, quite a lot happens in a week. We might not feel that a lot happens, but in fact, the world moves on. It moves on a pace. It's true. And mm -hmm. even from when I kind of give you the list on a on a Thursday, you know, then suddenly you have big news, which is completely overshadows any other news like the Trump. Yeah. Um, you know, he will be indicted, it looks like, uh, and will be looks like he will be arrested next Tuesday. And suddenly that's that's the big story of the day. But, you know, there's enough <laughs> said about Mr. Trump. Well, we've we've had him quite much, yes. frequently on yes. the news over the years. It's true. It's true. Uh, something starting close to home. And it's something very close to my heart. I did a show on it a couple of weeks ago and we'll continue this monthly. Um, this one is about rents soaring in Luxembourg. And, you know, this story even hit Reddit. Luxembourg read it. So I was reading all the comments yesterday about uh, what they're thinking about this RTL story on soaring rents in the housing market in Luxembourg. Well, it's very interesting because as you, you had to this show on housing and they, they I remember the people on were saying nobody realises the, the really big crunch crisis is coming. And of course, with the housing prices increasing so much, uh, rent prices are also going up exponentially, um, which is, you know, it's it's a disaster for anybody who's starting out or living in Luxembourg uh, to have to pay these rents. But I think the reason this article got so much traction is that they interviewed one of the developers um, who was saying, we need government aid, we need the government to take, you know, to take, make take measures to combat this because the uh, construction sector is under real threat. So I saw some, a lot of the comments were like, well, you have been making a lot of money for the, you know, for a long time. 
speculating on the housing market and now you want government intervention. It's quite controversial. It really is. And in fact, it's such a fascinating and very sad story. And I will come back and reflect on that in the in the housing episodes that I'm going to do. But the reason why, according to the experts that I had on a couple of weeks ago, uh, rent prices are increasing is because there is a stagnation in the selling of houses at the moment. And in fact, for the first time really ever in Luxembourg, house prices have decreased by about 9-10% in fact. And people are not buying at the moment because of the change in interest rates and therefore because people are not buying and it's so hard to buy in Luxembourg that rent prices... The demand for rents is huge, yes. Yeah. Uh, Moving from that to a completely different story that I'm sure you're all aware of, uh, TikTok. Are you all on TikTok, my students here in the studio? Oh, yes. (laughs) <laughs> okay, so TikTok so and TikTok Luxembourg has obviously been banned in the yeah, across uh, like in the US. Any anyone working for the state in in um, in the, in America or is at university, um, and it's also been banned uh, by e- the use of EU officials. Uh, so you know, there's there's a lot of controversy about the information that could be passed on to the Chinese government by the makers of TikTok. Um, however, Luxembourg, Mr. Bettel, has decided that it's not going to be banned um, by Luxembourgish civil servants or government officials. Uh, it will be banned in schools. Uh, you know, he says the jury's out until I know for sure um, and have more guidance from the EU what is happening with this information. He doesn't see that it's any more controversial than any of the other social media platforms and the information that is used by them. You know, we we do know that other social media platforms also use our information. Oh, yes. I'm smiling to myself because I'm thinking what kind of information would they get from our politicians on TikTok? (laughs) I know of one politician who is, you know, pretty uh, daily, weekly. He is Sven Clement. He's on TikTok and, uh, and talks about various things on TikTok. But TikTok is... I think, more fun, or at least, well, I suppose, of course, it depends on what you're looking at. But um, I don't know what type of information you gain from looking at TikTok, apart from great hairstyles or makeup tutorials or books to read or journaling. But I suppose, is it? isn't it the software that once you have it on your phone? So yeah. I, I know from my husband who yeah. works for the EU that yeah. once it's, the fear is that once you have it downloaded on your phone, that it's being able to extract other information. So uh, if you have a work email on the same phone, that, there's, that I think that's the the issue that not necessarily be... the content on tiktok <laughs> but maybe i don't know i don't know enough about it but if that's the case that's very serious indeed moving on to something that is quite serious and linked to another story king charles the first monarch to address the german parliament on thursday and of course he couldn't go to france Yes, exactly. I mean, we talk about the French strikes, I think, literally every week, yes. don't we? So they had to cancel um, the the state visit by King Charles, which would have been his first uh, state visit. Um, and I think it's quite hu- was quite humiliating for, for the French to have to cancel it. And in fact, so now the first country that he's visited as monarch is, is Germany. Um, so... You know, that apart, France uh, is obviously, uh, has huge strikes, had particularly big strikes, which they were worried would compromise the state visit. He's gone to Germany. And it wouldn't be a good look. <laughs> no, it wouldn't be, would it? I just, I, I had this vision of kind of, you know, a visit in Paris and sort of rubbish piles burning. I don't know if you saw I the video did. of uh, a French couple, you know, Having enjoying a, a drink wine totally ignoring a fires. fire burning in the It went in viral. The passage. Yes, yeah, that behind. was really funny, that one. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so he went went to Berlin and they really rolled out the red carpet for him. You know, they, it was the first time that you had military 
military honours at the Brandenburg Gate for a, for a monarch or a visiting uh, head of state. So that was interesting. And he, it's first time a monarch has also been allowed to address the German parliament. And he spoke a bit of German. Uh, I mean, I th- everyone was very complimentary about his German. I mean, I don't think it was like his father's German, so it was only little bits of German. And today, interestingly, so on Friday, he's visiting Hamburg, which of course was destroyed by Allied bombing and uh, will commemorate the victims of the the Allied bombings in, in Hamburg. So that's something, again, very different and quite, I think, quite controversial maybe for the British that he's that will be his first um, visit to Germany doing that as, as king. Well, it's poignant in all sorts of reasons, but of course it's also poignant because of Brexit that he's visiting Germany yes, and would have been France as well. But I'm sure he will revisit France whenever France um, comes down. Although I don't quite doesn't know. look like it at the <laughs> moment. That might be. No, people are talking about uh, the next revolution, perhaps moving into um, you know another era of French uh, history. In well, fact, I, th- I was speaking to a French colleague uh, this week, saying, you know, how can it be? You know, as foreigners, we just don't understand that trying to raise the pension age by two years, which is so conservative by by our standards, to 64 how can it be that these these protests have such popular support throughout france and he was like well you don't don't touch our pension age you know it's a lesson to learn and macron has become the most unpopular president of all time even less popular than uh, francois hollande who was extremely unpopular in france yeah it does raise the question how will the pensions be paid for though because there's only one way to pay for them and that's to raise taxes and i would have thought that's not a popular move either. Would be equally unpopular. Well, it is extraordinary that in, you know, within the EU and within the UK, where the pension age for men will go up to 68, um, you know, that the disparity is massive, but uh, still enjoying popular support, despite the rubbish not being collected in the streets of Paris and the Easter holiday plans of many, many people being, um, you know, cancelled and wrecked by strikes across. So, I, I'm really impressed that, that, that it still enjoys popular support. I don't think in any other country that would be the case. No. I mean, I understand why people don't want to raise the pension age if they're moving towards it. But anyway, as I've said before, yeah. I, I don't yes. quite understand everything there. Um, moving on from French strikes to a, a terribly sad story, the school shooting in Nashville really sad. That was really, really sad on on Monday. I mean, school shootings, I think, upset us, even sort of hard-nosed journos, more than anything else. It just feels... Well, you know, know, it's it's beyond explanation. And uh, so this happened in Nashville um, on on Monday. Um, Very unusually, it was a a, a woman shooter, um, which which is very unusual. And so there was a slightly strange angle to the to the shooting you know she she shot dead three pupils and three of the um, adults in working in the school um, and the, the, the news very quickly moved from the from the police who said well she identified as transgender and uh, even at the time we weren't quite sure why that was particularly relevant and I think it is all to do because there there are so few women shooters and uh, she had a you know she had this plan for um even bigger shooting than it happened. The police did respond very quickly and were there within 15 minutes. But I, you, when you watch the footage, it's so traumatic for all the pupils there. And as you say, you know, well, it's not 
I don't know how guns. you get over it's, something you like know, that. You know, you don't get over it, you know, and then you have the same thing. President Biden goes to Congress and says, we have to get rid of the guns. Get rid of the guns. And it doesn't happen. And you can't believe, you know, what, what will it take? I don't know. I... I yeah, I really am speechless when it comes mm-hmm. to that because we come with our European mindset. Yes. We do not understand how it's possible to allow guns. But again, I, I can't put myself into the American mindset. I have a very intelligent American friend and he really believes in gun ownership and I right. I cannot understand it. Yes, I just can't. I'm trying to, to take my mindset out of my European mindset framework but it for me work, same, it doesn't yes. work because of the evidence that we see it is not okay that people carry guns and go around killing students and I think anybody can flip something can happen in a person's life and they can flip in their mind and have a bad moment. Well there are many people with emotional disorders um, but yes they don't they, they don't have access to guns that is the only difference isn't it? Yeah yeah well something utterly different a fun story of the week. Oh, you're going to talk about Gwyneth Paltrow, aren't you? <laughs> Good. <laughs> we have been obsessing on it on the morning show um, because, uh, yes, Meredith, uh, my, my colleague, is American and, and we, we love a gossip and we love a court trial. And, um, you know, Gwyneth Paltrow, has, it's made for compulsive viewing, I have to say. Have you, did you catch any of it? I, I've been looking at bits and pieces throughout the week, uh, particularly her outfits and facial expressions. Oh yes, I love this word stealth wealth. <laughs> so it's 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 a new form of fashion that you you don't show off your wealth. There are no labels on her clothes. It's understated. But of course, journalists have been looking at her outfits and said, "Well, that very simple cashmere jumper was actually twelve hundred dollars." And yes, so she's not dressing up. She's she's been dressing down and keeping this very poker faced expression throughout the trial. Um, so just for those people few people who may have missed the story, a, a retired optometrist um, and Gwyneth Paltrow had a ski accident seven years ago uh, in Utah. And po- on that point, the seven year gap was something that got to me. Yes. I don't know enough about the case to know why there was a seven year gap there. Well, from what small things I've, I've observed is that he he has been obsessed about um, suing uh, Gwyneth Paltrow. And I think it has just been moved on and on and on because he started with a $3 million lawsuit. It then became a $300,000 lawsuit, which he has lost. And Gwyneth Paltrow countersued him because uh, for $1 yeah. because they're... they're uh, let's say, memory of the events are were very different. So she said that he crashed into her. She said he crashed into him and that he has suffered uh, four broken ribs and, you know, head injury from this particular collision. Um, but, you know, it's not been a very serious court case. So, it, you know, we have been having quite a laugh because, of course, the, the lawyers have been starstruck by Gwyneth Paltrow. It's in some tiny little courtroom in Utah. And it's it's been really, really funny to watch. Yeah. I remember talking to some American friend this weekend. They said, is Gwyneth still stuck down there in Utah? Yes, exactly. I don't think she was expecting it. But, uh, yeah. you know, there, there, there have been a lot of jokes and a lot of quotes um you know i mean and i think people have enjoyed it because it's just something 
Yes. Nice to have a little exactly. bit of lighter news to kind of counterbalance everything else going on in the news. Um, uh, what shall we move on to next? I I quite like this meatball story. I think this is a lovely. Oh, that was another good, unusual story. Yes. Yeah, so in in Amsterdam, and I missed this uh, last weekend, and I was in Amsterdam. They've put a giant meatball on display, made from mammoth meat. Well, it's not actually made from mammoth meat, but it's it's yeah, created meat. From the animal protein. Yes, yeah. exactly. So it's sort of fake meat made from the animal protein. And they particularly chose a mammoth to sort of a symbolic of uh, sort of diversity loss. Mm. And they've used the animal protein. So it's a massive meatball just as a, uh, you know, as, as a publicity stunt that we could all eat lab-grown meat, really. And it wouldn't necessarily have... What I thought was interesting about this particular thing is it doesn't have to be beef or chicken they they can create lab grown meat from from the dna of anything so that's what they were going to prove yeah. um and interestingly though italy has now banned lab grown meat because it's against their cultural heritage so yeah. you know we're all saying well isn't this the future how exciting you know we 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 could eat it uh eat lab grown meat um, and uh, Italy does not feel the same way. It brings us onto all sorts of different topics, such as what can nationally be decided within the EU, or what is an umbrella decision for the EU? Because this is where would the EU come in to to kind of make a decision here? But of course, they need every member state to kind of agree and ratify it, etc. And and also just about agriculture in general and how land is used in different countries. So it's it's a huge, huge debate. But um, I thought it was a, a really interesting marketing advertising yeah. plot that they did think about taking DNA from you know the extinct mammoth and thinking what would the meat taste like from that potentially yes no, I thought it was fun you mentioned you were in Amsterdam I hope you had a lovely weekend Thank you. Yes, I did. Oh, you're talking about the Stay Away campaign. Yes, there's another Amsterdam story yes, here. Yes, the other Amsterdam story is that um, the citizens of Amsterdam are truly irritated and bothered by big stag parties and, you know, mainly young men. And of course, they come from Britain mainly, who just want to get stoned and drunk in Amsterdam. And uh, so they've started a campaign, stay away. (laughs) So So funny. So I think this is brilliant. So as soon as you apparently put into Google stag party or anything, you know, anything to do with drinking, um, you will have a pop up ad Stay away. (laughs) (laughs) I think they need to work on their cities, uh, the way in which the city is viewed, because Amsterdam is viewed in a certain light by some people. Clearly, that's why they go there. Absolutely. And, and, you know, I I can imagine if you lived in Amsterdam, it would be really, really irritating. But interesting, yesterday there was a demonstration by sex workers in Amsterdam saying, uh, because the city also wants to move them out of the city centre, um, and there was a massive demonstration uh, saying they do not want to move out of the city centre into the, you know these these bigger sort of red light brothels on the outskirts, um, f- fighting for their rights to stay in in the city centre because they will get more business that way. I assume. I, I assume yes. <laughs> That aside, did you have a nice weekend in Amsterdam? Oh, yes, it was lovely. We only did cultural things. Ate of course you did. And so we went to museums. <laughs> did you see any stag parties? I, we did, yes. Oh. Lots of stag parties. I mean, they, they are still coming. Yeah, no, I could 
Okay, there are so, lots of so big Amsterdam is currently working people. on its image. Then it's it's yeah. trying to find a, a city image transformation by the sounds of it. Yes, absolutely, and I think maybe they could do with fewer tourists because what the people we spoke to they said actually, uh, I think a bit like Venice, it's just become too much. And during the pandemic, I think they realised that they can also live with small, you know, not these big tourist parties and and you know a little bit little less tourism. A quieter city. Yeah. Wow, gosh, Amsterdam definitely does need a city change then. Well, thank you so much, Sasha. As always, pleasure. I wish you a lovely weekend ahead. Any nice plans this weekend? No, nothing special. Avoiding the rain, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to hearing all about the schools here. We're about to hear that just after this little break. Lisa Burke on RTL Today Radio. Well, hello to all of my students here in-house from Hermesinde and, of course, Philippe. So let me introduce a little bit about you all. Philippe Demar is the director adjoint, a primary school teacher, studied in Brussels and worked since 2009 at Lycée Hermesinde. And you are, of course, also a member of the board in charge of the school. And student-wise, in front of me, I have Inés Garvalo. I'm not sure if I've pronounced that correctly, but I've given it... It's okay, but you can really say it in English. <laughs> Thank you, Inez. I think I might have to go towards the English version. Africa Lima, I've got Vicky Costa and Jose Santos. Welcome to you all. Thank you. Hello. <laughs> Thanks for having us. It's great to have you all here on this Friday morning. So, Philippe, I'm going to start with you. Why Hermesinde? Why are you here? Well, the reason is because I know that Hermesinde has a very different philosophy when it comes to teaching. Uh, very unusual for Luxembourg and very novel. So, talk us through Hermesinde. Where is it? And, and the educational philosophy behind it. Yes, uh, so um, the Lycée Armzinde has been um, created in 2005, started off in uh, in town in Hollerich. And uh, since 2011, we have a nice a nice school in the more or less countryside in Mersch. Uh, we have gardens, we have uh, we have forests all around, so it's a very peaceful area, unlike Amsterdam. And um, so the the basic idea to narrow it down of the school is strength before weaknesses. So what often happens in schools is that students have to work a lot in the subjects where they're not good at, uh, because you have to reach a certain level in every subject, you have to reach a moyenne, how do you say this? Uh, a, a level, a certain level, level, and this level is the same for, for every student, independent of what he wants to become, of what his goals are, of what his talents are. And we try to change that and say, no, you have to work a lot in the subjects or in the fields that you're interested in and where your talents are. But I assume alongside it, in certain subjects that most people in the world would think are core subjects, like a certain language perhaps, like particularly the language of the country you're living in, and mathematics, most people would say you need at least a fundamental basis in those subjects. Probably yes, but um, we put that in our hierarchy of uh, what is more important, less important, in the sense of orientation, of what do you want to become. We put that 
under the goal of each student. The students apply to our school and the first question is not uh, what we have to offer, but the first question is what do you have to offer? So the students come when they are 12 after primary school and we're interested in in their uh, talents, in their talents, interests. In, 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 in their profile. And some are interested in gardening, some want to become an astronaut, some want to become a lawyer, someone. So you have a lot of different profiles and um, and we have different contexts in our schools where the students engage in, where they work. Uh, by working with the others, uh, we get a nice school because uh, we have a lot of nice productions in the school and the students find their place and uh, find out what they're really good at and uh, where they want to spend their future in. You're also then selecting students for your school that are self-motivated or perhaps by that phrase that you have, strength before weaknesses, you imagine that they will be self-motivated because they are doing things that they love to do. So I imagine the student profile has to be one of self-determination and one where they lead their own work. Yes, but I think that that um, should be the case for any any child uh, any child has something they they strive for they love doing be it football or be it the sport or be it scouting or be it nature or be it their pets or be it like anyone has uh, everyone has interests and have things they are they are they are passionate by and we try to pick them up and put them in in a, in a context where they can they can develop their their talents and and find out what is good for them and at the same time is good for others also. So I think it's always these two dimensions of what do I like and with what I like doing, how can I contribute to a common goal? Mm -hmm. And I have visited your school and there's an extraordinary amount of workshop facilities there. Anything from being a studio producer to an architect to makeup and couture, I remember seeing once. So tell us about how you've put in place all these incredible workshops and just give us a flavour of what you have. Um, yeah, so... Um we have on once uh, we have three different contexts the students work in. So the one is the entreprise. That's uh, I think what is the most visible when you enter the school. You see all these workshops. Those are the entreprise. Um, then we have uh, the travail personnel. Those are a bit less visible because those are really individual works the students do. Um, and then we have uh, lessons. They are common. They are um, culture générale. Uh, I don't know how to say that in English. General culture. General culture, <laughs> all right. And in the entreprise, we have a salon de beauté, a beauty academy. Uh, we have, um, uh, oh, there are so many, I can't, I can't find any in my head. So we have a Chelsea, they are making advertisement. We have a restaurant, we have a cafe, we have gardening, we have. So there are 16 different uh, entreprises that are run by professionals, by cooks, by graphic designers, by so people who have that profession uh, and their stuff are the students and the students help them to to work on the production uh, that is sold or distributed or so there's always a, a common goal behind. Well I'm going to turn to one of the students now in fact to tell us about a day in the life of you at Irma So Vicky tell me about how you spend the day at what point would you be having that the lessons communally and then at what point does it turn into your personal project or the entreprise? Um, yeah, so I 
think I'd be explaining my personal day. For example, on a Friday, let's say today. So the school starts at 10 minutes past eight, and then we have a 19 minute lesson. A 19 minute lesson. 90. Nine oh, 90 minutes. minutes. <laughs> I, thought, I thought 19 was very precise amount of time. <laughs> okay. No, it's one hour and a half. Yeah. And then we have a 30 minute break. And afterwards, we have a second lesson. And then we would have three. 40 and 45 minutes of a break where we would go to our enterprises, our études. In the études, we do our homework. And in the entreprise, we do our work. So this whole break is divided in like tiny, we call it plage. And so, for example, if I would, after German, so I would go to lunch. And afterwards, I would have a break and go maybe go to the étude and like work a bit for, for these in the second plage. So 45 minutes. And then I would go on the third plage. I would go to my enterprise. And this is Cade de Café. So I would work for two plages, so 90 minutes in a cafe. And then afterwards, we have at the end of the day a third lesson, which would be English. And then our school would end at 20 minutes past four. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, what entreprise apart from the cafe have you chosen to do over the years at Irmazinda? Uh, I've mostly been in the Zatzwirk, which is mainly focused around literature and languages and also culture. And there I have been in the discipline of creative writing. So I write stories and everything. So that's what I do. And and I, with that, have you got help and guidance as to how to put together a story, a novel perhaps? And do you know how to publish it eventually? Uh, well, we don't actually. We just sit there and start writing and then the teacher would come and ask how is the story going how are you how are you doing with the story and everything so if we say yeah, i need help with my story can you help me they will help but mainly they will just let us write and we go with our flow and you're allowed to write in whichever language you wish yeah that's one of the wonders of Luxembourg. Africa, now you and Ines, you're going to tell me a little bit about the memoir and what the memoir means. Yeah, exactly. Maybe Ines can explain what the travail personal is because it's the same thing, but for the cycle inferior. And then I explain the memoir. Go ahead. The school is divided in two. So uh, the first four years are cycle inferior and then the last three are cycle superior. And in the cycle inferior, uh, you have to write a travail personal. So it's like a personal um, essay you have to write or something um, throughout the year. And you can completely choose what you want to write about. I always chose topics about like management. And so because that's what I'm interested about, interested in. Yeah. So, yeah, it's completely up to you. You can also do like practical things. Uh, for example, I had a friend in my class uh, who built a replica of the Golden Gate Bridge. So that was really impressive because it turned out really good. And you always get help from um, people at school. So for example, she needed uh, wood and everything. So she went to our little workshop. Well, it's actually a big workshop we, got, we have there. And she got help from the people there. So you have a lot of support to do your to do the things you need to do. So I think that's quite cool. It also helps you find out what subjects you're interested in and it also helps you develop yourself so you can have more knowledge for later in life. Mm -hmm. that, that's very well explained. I'm thinking with your management studies, do you get the opportunity to also lead little groups within the entreprise? Uh, well, my entreprise is CADE, so 
that means well it's in french but that basically means like administration and so i've been there since satyam so it's my fifth year in that entreprise and well since i'm one of the older students there along with africa and a few more we usually have a little more responsibility and we're also well we're left to ourselves so we can do a little what we want because the adults there know that we are responsible and that we will have something to work on i've never actually led like a group because that's not really the style of the entreprise so you have to work as a group you know um yeah i've learned to work with people for example in organizing the um, i don't know how you say it in english port ouvert open, day. open, open days. days yeah so the open days of the school um i organized them for two years or something and that was fun because we had like a little group and from year to year it changed and we had to learn with to work with different people and so on so it's quite fun that's something important about your entreprise because no matter in which entreprise you are you also you always learn something like working with other people especially because we're like mixed from satyam to première so you learn to work with people who are good at things in which you aren't who are older or younger so you can also also teach the younger people about what you do uh, you also learn for example to work in an autonomous autonomously yeah autonomously Um, and so those things. You're all doing so well because I know uh, English is not the first language of your school by far. I am quite sure it's Luxembourgish, German, French and the various other languages you carry from home and then English is probably like the fourth or fifth language that you add on. You're doing so well here. So thank you for being here and speaking to us in English. Africa, tell us a little bit about your journey. The mémoire. I have the same memoir as Ines and a third student. And the memoir is basically the same thing as Travel Personnel, but you can do it with friends. And so I did it with Ines and another friend. And we chose to do something practical. And since we three are, I would say we are really good at organizing things, we chose to organize an event. And we are doing a prom night for a school. Things and at this prom night, I imagine some of the other entreprise will be working there as well. Tell us about the other involvement that you would have. That is one of our main goals to work with the other entreprise. The main entreprise that are helping us is Cardi because we are there. Then Chelsea Studios, we are going to ask them to be a little bit of paparazzi because that will be the main theme. And then uh, other entreprise will be there to sell their own products and so they can contribute in our Mimach. So tell us a little bit more about this. So you'll have the, I, I imagine, the makeup and beauty people. Exactly, yeah, they will help us um, before the prom night starts and students, they can go to them and they will get their nails done and hair. Very nice. Yeah. And then you've got the marketing, the Chelsea studio, as you said. Exactly. And which other entreprise? I suppose there'll be food there available? Yeah, we have the entreprise Seafood and they will be cooking for us and... I think it's going to be a really good night. Absolutely wonderful collaboration there. Now, turning to a different entreprise entirely, Josette, you are very sporty. You said just before we began that you're about to go to a camp where you'll be running 10 to 15 kilometers a day. Yes, So exactly. tell us about the sport offers at Hermesinde. So I'm in the sports entreprise. We call it Dragons. And I've been there for two and a half years And what we essentially do, we have many different domains. We have yoga, we have, we can go swimming, we have multisport, where essentially every three weeks we choose a different sport like football, basketball, badminton, and so on. It's up to the students to choose. And we also have Akademie, which is the organ organization of the Sportstag, which is on the last few days of the school year, where every student can participate in sport events. 
and essentially have one day where they can have fun little activities. Mm -hmm. It sounds from your description there that it's very student-led, like everything else that's been said. Even though you have the professionals with you, a lot of the ideas and what's thought about moving forward is student-led, not led from the professional, but with the professional there. Exactly. So in um, the Lycée Amazinda, we really have the, cho uh, the chance to become independent and to learn how to move, uh, how to work with um, our peers and essentially also with our professors how we can organize the Sportstag and how we can um, we can also choose the different sport activities we want to do maybe in the multisport. Mm -hmm. So we have the guidance from the professor, which is really up to the students to choose a little bit. We also have a choice to say something. Yeah, the professor meaning teacher, of the course, teacher, in, yeah. in English. Um, although professor sounds so grand, doesn't it? <laughs> it sounds so wonderful. Um, do you think it's a fit, this school and the ideas behind it, the mentality, the educational philosophy would suit every student? Well, that's a good question. I think for me, it was really an excellent fit. I come from the South, so it's really up to an hour for me to arrive to Merche. It's really a dedication I sometimes have to take because I have to wake up very, um, very early and take two trains. However, it's really, it's a perfect fit for me. I really learned how to become independent. I really learned how to express myself, myself verbally. We also have many presentations during a couple of weeks. And we also have our term paper where we can really focus on our interested domain, mm -hmm. which for me is psychology. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I think for people who maybe are struggling in their um, in the beginning because they don't know how to do and they are feeling a little bit lost, this Amazina really helps them to guide them and to become independent at the end. I yeah. think it's the main goal. And Philippe, I want to bring you back in here because I know uh, in many different countries around the world and some people link it to COVID, we're not sure, there is quite a lot of anxiety in teenagers, particularly in young adults at the moment. Do you find that in your school or do you find the fact that they are, are very autonomous and have their own directions that they're self-reliant on? There is less anxiety at your school. Uh, good question. I don't really know how to answer because I only know our school. Um, I'd say these are individual cases that we take seriously. Um, but I guess in, a, in an environment where you feel safe and where you can take responsibilities, where you don't have to fit into a standardized frame, but you can, as I said before, find your place. There's a general ambience of, of well-being. Without talking about well-being, I think we, we have a lot of well-being, I guess. Mm -hmm. uh, if I want to find indicators for this, maybe the, the Open Doors Day that Ines mentioned before is a good example of how many students come, I think, half or how many students did we have helping at the Open Doors Day? I have honestly no idea. I think 200 or 300 A lot, came. by the sounds of it. But a lot, yeah. Um, like half of the school or more was there to show the school to, to, to visitors. And, um, and I think there's a, there's a very strong identification of, of the students with their school. 
be it at any level, the young ones, the old ones. Uh, and and I think that's, yes, a good indicator for, for well-being. Mm -hmm. And then I want to talk to you also, because this is a different educational philosophy and mindset, what is the final exam that your students take? Do they take a, a Luxembourg baccalaureate, a European baccalaureate? Because if they want to apply to university, and many do, what will they come out with at the end? Uh, yeah, the, the same diploma as other Luxembourgish schools. It's the Luxembourgish uh, bac that the students do. So the last year is more or less similar to what you will see in another school. But we, we don't think that you need seven years to prepare the exams. Uh, so I guess one or two years is, is enough and before we can, we can do maybe more important things. <laughs> and then it also sounds like because you have this great relationship with the entreprise, with the professionals coming in to work at your school, that a lot of your students may have had work experience and be going on to work in certain fields that they might want to continue in or at least learn they don't want to continue in that field. Yes, but there's surely a, a big orientative potential in the entreprise. Just spending a lot of time in those entreprises. If you see the website, you see a lot of different activities and you could be tempted wanting to see everything. But it's not what happens. A lot of students apply. They, we ask them one, maybe two entreprises. They enter an entreprise. Some might not immediately be in the right run. A lot of them are. And they stay in the same entreprise uh, because uh, they have the environment, they have the people they work with. And of course, that influences the choices they, they take. Then again, we don't have every field in the entreprise, um, but there's always, I guess, uh, a more or less direct link to what the students uh, want to do, want to do later. Because also in the entreprise, you can have very different roles in, in the bike uh, mending entreprise, the bike atelier merch. Oh, I need to visit that. Um, <laughs> yes, it's, it's very practical when you come to work with the bike to just have it have it taken care of <laughs> um, and you, you can have students that are in charge of uh, uh, the contact with the clients others are maybe more shy they work on the bikes uh, so in an entreprise we'll have very different uh, profiles of students well what's wonderful is that you're all learning people skills you're all learning about interaction and i love that word practical because a lot of our school life isn't practical the more you know standard school life it's not practical people come out of school they don't know how to figure out finances they don't know how to get a mortgage do you have finance education within your school um that's a no yes <laughs> <laughs> you can add it you can add I it i think i think uh Ines and, and africa are maybe better place to answer that question well um Uh, in troisième, you have to choose like a, a section, so um, what do you want to study? And we have both chosen economy, so we have like an economy class. And those who choose G, that's like um, general, yeah, they also have economy. Uh, the others, the other two, which we have at our school, don't. So I guess we we would be a little better prepared for those things than they would. But yeah, if you really want to learn that, you can also choose. 
an entreprise which has more to do with finances and so and budgets etc well i'm quite sure that you all have to deal with budgets whether you're working the cafe or the bike shop or uh, sport elements or cafes it all i mean life exactly. involves that's i think planning that's um the practical side of the money is is part of the everyday life of the school as every enterprise sells things so they have to think about their budget they have to to write invoices to to see if the money is paid the goal is to make the students also part of part of that excellent skills for life why are you the only school like this in luxembourg uh, good good question <laughs> uh, we are lucky to um, to have our own law um, how did you manage to get your own law <laughs> um, because people spend a lot of years uh, working on this uh, project uh, that started in the 90s the political stars were well aligned at a certain moment that uh, the project came into place and it became an autonomous public school which i don't think there are the examples uh, for it but also there are no other schools that have been created in the example of of Lisermesin so we we remain an island You remain in Ireland, but you must have uh, the Ministry of Education talking about your school. They must give you feedback. They must look upon your school as an example. Well, I, I guess they they like visiting us. Um, they they sometimes do, but we are not we are not very well, we are popular, but um, I don't think we are a big dots on the. Uh, on the uh, education on the, uh, landscape. Exactly, yes, yes. Why is um, that then? You think people are still quite old-fashioned in their philosophy when it comes to education because a lot of adults reflect on how their own children are being educated and feel it's not fit for purpose. Mm -hmm. Maybe that uh, maybe that's an, an example, uh, an, an, uh, a reason Also, the, the ministry has taken a lot of initiatives to create other schools. To uh, They have been focusing on the language problematics of schools. So they have created European schools, they have created the international schools. The landscape of schools have broadened. Yes, I've um, seen that. And that's why I'm asking, why isn't there another one mm -hmm, like yours mm -hmm. there in the, uh, in the landscape? But somehow the eyes have not turned a lot uh, towards our school. Like we are, we are in good terms with the ministry. Everything Everything works well. We have our students. We fill up our our classes, so uh, we are we are doing really well. Um, we get visits maybe more from uh, abroad. There Ooh. are people coming from abroad to visit our school, um, but in Luxembourg, to replicate we, it, uh, to well, to get inspired. Sometimes other teachers come that want to create a school in their country and uh, visit schools to uh, yes to get uh, inspiration, but from Uh, from other schools, uh, we, we are in touch with the other schools. We know the other schools. Uh, we communicate with people outside of Ireland, but uh, <laughs> but the model has never been uh, applied to other schools. That slightly surprises me, actually. I agree. I c I'm yeah. really surprised because the dropout rate for for uh, in schools here in Luxembourg is quite high, and I bet yours is much lower, isn't it? That and I love the fact that you're celebrating strengths rather than weaknesses, because I think when when you're in more traditional schools and you don't manage the curriculum. You You just feel a failure, don't you? So I, well, I was wondering, do you have to kind of pass an aptitude test? You have to be good at something to get into your school. You have to apply. Maybe one of the students, if anyone wants to tell how it was 
being what was your application procedure like? In because I see it from my side. I think it's fun, but uh, I don't know how it's how it felt <laughs> from the students' view. So I would be interested hear. in hearing uh, the story from the other side. Because right now we are in the middle of the interviews. A lot of uh, children come with their parents to apply. So uh, Jose, how was it for you? Did I interview you? Uh, no, I don't. Think I can't so. remember. So how was it? <laughs> well, I remember it was about four years ago. It was the only school I applied to because I was really interested to go to the Lycée Amazine. I went with my primary school two times in the fifth and the sixth year. And I was just flabbergasted by what I saw and the difference compared to other schools. So what I essentially had to do was fill out a form in what languages and in languages, mathematics, sciences, what, I'm what my strengths are and um, in which enterprise I would be interested in. So I chose in the beginning Arimitié and Chelsea Studios for production. And it was really interesting because I was really leaning, leaning into ar architecture. So in the first year, I went there and I was in the enterprise. I immediately, immediately saw, okay, it's not for me. So I want to go into another, direct, not the, another direction. So in, in the second year, I went to Dragons and I've been there since. So you found your place. You slightly bypassed the, um, it seemed the perfect fit for you, that's for sure. And I'm actually very impressed by your primary school that brought your class twice to Ermesinde, given that you've said you reside in the south of Luxembourg. Mm -hmm. On that point, I also know that you mm -hmm. have a boarding house at your school. Mm -hmm. So uh, just then to, to also tell my side of the of the story, maybe of the implications. Yes. So there's just, just to add, there's no um, other criteria to be accepted than um, wanting to, um, to join in the system, I guess. Yes. So um, what we ask the, the students with their parents, because of course the parents are a very important part of, uh, of this. Um, so is, is what, what do you want to become in your later life? What, what are your projections? It can be very uh, concrete. It can be I want to become a carpenter. It can be uh, I want to, to uh, make something with science or I want to work in nature. It, it can be various projet personnel, we call that. And then, um, what are the fields you want to get involved in in our school? So, what can we expect from you when you come? So, and, and that's what travail personnel do you want to do? Like the Golden Gate Bridge example. Uh, what entreprise do you want to get involved in and why? Why are you interested in uh, administration or in sports? And have you been doing sports before? And, and the, the third um, engagement they have to take, we haven't talked much about the, the lessons, which still is an important part of Lycée Armesind. Um, what are the lessons you want to get engaged in? Uh, we don't follow the national uh, curriculum but the programs are developed with the students. So the teacher has a class, 25 students, more or less, and uh, every student gets uh, or engages in two subjects, um, chooses two subjects. So the teacher has a handful of students he prepares the lessons with, or he asks them to prepare contribution, we call it. Uh, uh, so that can be explaining something to the class, helping the others to understand better, bringing uh, important topics uh, to the class. So also there they, they get responsibilities. Um, and those are the three questions we ask them to write us a letter about why they want to choose these different uh, engagements. And then we talk about that. We talk about uh, why uh, do you want to do 
this and that and uh, um, try to find already a certain uh, coherence between the different uh, engagements they take. And that's the challenge uh, throughout the, the cycle inferior, so throughout the three first years in the general, in the preparatoire, and four years in the, in the classique, is to, to sharpen this, this profile and uh, to have a, 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 a good profile at the end of those years so they know what they want to, to specialize in. And we, we start playing that game when they come at 12 and then um, a tutor takes over. Every student has their tutor and uh, they have weekly or every two weeks meetings and they talk about that. They talk about, uh, so uh, is um, mending bikes still your passion or uh, where will it go? That's wonderful that they have that one-on-one -on -one time as well with a personal tutor every one to two weeks. Uh, what is the ratio of applicants to successful students for Amazon? Uh, to enter or to exit? How many people? <laughs> well, <laughs> how many people when they're applying? How many are applying? Yeah. yeah. Um, so we are in the midst of applications. For, for, for next year, we already have a lot of applications. Um, what always helps is being early um, so for next year we're already quite late um, and uh, the ratio is uh, it really depends on the years we had years where we had uh, three times more applications than we had uh, spaces now it's settled uh, with we have more appli apply applications than we, we can take students, for sure. Um, but students who apply early in the year uh, get an interview. And uh, for those, the chances are really uh, high to be, uh, to be accepted. Okay, so it's not a one-date uh, situation. It's a, it's a situation where students and their parents and the schools have to be on it early. And of course, people should go to the Porte Verte and visit the school. Sasha, what do you think of? the school from what you're listening. I wish I'd been to a school like this <laughs> where you weren't boxed in to do certain academic subjects and decisions made aged maybe 11 and you're kind of you're you're re you're still having to follow that path at sort of 17 18 so I think the flexibility sounds sounds wonderful and on top of the flexibility the fact that you have to choose and think about rather than being told you're going to do this, this, is, this, yeah. and this and this is your timetable for the week and next year and next year and next year you you choose and you have a say in your own timetable and daily schedule yeah, I think it sounds great. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, yeah, any final words from students? Inez, what do you think of the school? If you were to talk to people at the Porto Verde, the open day, what would you say is the best thing about your school to them? Well, I'd say it's a really great school. And uh, for me, a really good thing is that um, that thing of strength before weaknesses. Because, um, well... For example, in German, I'm not very good. And in another school, I would be very stressed about that. But in the Amazinda, I'm not because I know that I'm good at other things. And we are in an environment when, where I learned that it's okay that you're not good at everything. So I don't think anybody can be good at everything. So that, that's, <laughs> that's what education is about, finding what your passion is. And it seems that Amazinda really does uh, make that fly above everything else. Africa, final word from you. What would you say to would-be students about this education system? Well, I think the best thing about our school um, are the people because I met a lot of amazing people and we have also contact with um, older students that left. And yeah, I think 
since we are all mixed, that's the best thing. And we exit the school with a lot of memories and experience. So I would really recommend the school to other students who are not really looking for having the best grades, but to make a lot of memories. That's a, a lovely network you're describing there. And Vicky, for you, what are your memories and what do you like most about your school? Uh, I think I like the flexibility because we have a lot of time where we can do, where we can work, where we can also kind of in the entrepreneurs just like kind of cool down from all of work and kind of the stress we're having. And I really like the flexibility and also it's a small school, so it's quite familiar and everything. It sounds absolutely lovely, the daily life there. Jose, you have the final word. Um, I think it's really important that the student finds their passion and really works on their strengths because at the end of the day, the Isamazinde is really a great school to really be able to uh, evaluate in their strengths and to yeah find their passion because at the end of the day, we have seven years and time flies. Oh, it certainly does. I don't, don't remind us. <laughs> <laughs> It's okay at your age. It's less okay at our age. But but with you going to be moving forward into the world with your passions and your strengths developed by Hermes and I think you're a fabulous example to the school. Thank you so much for coming to RTL today, talking about your school in English, no less. Congratulations on that too. You can add this experience to your CVs, of course, and I'm sure you can talk to your media section of Entreprise. I know you have a, a media section there, a tech section, studio section, and uh, you're very welcome to come and and uh, talk to us again about the wonderful educational philosophy that uh, resides behind Armazinde. Philippe. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you all so much for joining us today. Thank you. Mm-hmm.